Chapter Four, Part One of the Old Regime in Canada, by Francis Parkman Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section Second, Canada A Mission, Chapter Four, Part One, sixteen fifty three to sixteen fifty eight, the Jesuits at Onondaga. In the summer of sixteen fifty three, all Canada turned to fasting and penance processions vows and supplications the saints and the virgin were beset with unceasing prayer the wretched little colony was like some puny garrison starving and sick compassioned with inveterate foes supplies cut off and succor hopeless at montreal the advance guard of the settlements a sort of castle dangerous held by about fifty frenchmen and said by a pious writer of the day to exist only by a continuous miracle some two hundred iroquois fell upon twenty-six frenchmen the christians were outmatched eight to one but says the chronicle the queen of heaven was on their side and the son of mary refuses nothing to his holy mother through her intercession the iroquois shot so wildly that at their first fire every bullet missed its mark and they met with a bloody defeat the palisaded settlement of three rivers though in position less exposed than that of montreal was in no less jeopardy a noted war chief of the mohawk iroquois had been captured here the year before and put to death and his tribe swarmed out like a nest of angry hornets to revenge him not content with defeating and killing the commandant duplessis beauchart they encamped during the winter in the neighboring forest watching for an opportunity to surprise the place hunger drove them off but they returned in the spring infesting every field and pathway till at length some six hundred of their warriors landed in secret and lay hidden in the depths of the woods silently biding their time having failed however in an artifice designed to lure the frenchmen out of their defences they showed themselves on all sides plundering burning and destroying up to the palisades of the fort of the three settlements which with their feeble dependencies then comprised the whole of canada quebec was least exposed to indian attacks being partially covered by montreal and three rivers nevertheless there was no safety this year even under the cannon of fort st louis at cap rouge a few miles above the Jesuit Poncet saw a poor woman who had a patch of corn beside her cabin, but could find nobody to harvest it. The father went to seek aid, met one Mathurin Franchetot, whom he persuaded to undertake the charitable task, and was returning with him when they both fell into an ambuscade of Iroquois, who seized them and dragged them off thirty-two men embarked in canoes at quebec to follow the retreating savages and rescue the prisoners 
pushing rapidly up the st lawrence they approached the three rivers found it beset by the mohawks and bravely threw themselves into it to the great joy of its defenders and discouragement of the assailants meanwhile the intercession of the virgin wrought new marvels at montreal and a bright ray of hope beamed forth from the darkness and the storm to cheer the hearts of her votaries it was on the twenty sixth of june that sixty of the onondaga iroquois appeared in sight of the fort shouting from a distance that they came on an errand of peace and asking for safe conduct for some of their number guns scalping knives tomahawks were all laid aside and with a confidence truly astonishing a deputation of chiefs naked and defenceless came into the middle of those whom they had betrayed so often the french had a mind to seize them and pay them in kind for past treachery but they refrained seeing in this wondrous change of heart the manifest hand of heaven nevertheless it can be explained without a miracle the iroquois or at least the western nations of their league had just become involved in a war with their neighbors the eries and one war at a time was the sage maxim of their policy all was smiles and blandishment in the fort at montreal presents were exchanged and the deputies departed beaming home golden reports of the french at oneida deputations soon followed but the enraged mohawks still infested montreal and the beleaguered three rivers till one of their principal chiefs and four of their best warriors were captured by a party of christian hurons then seeing themselves abandoned by the other nations of the league and left to wage the war alone they too made overtures for peace a grand council was held at quebec speeches were made and wampum belts exchanged the iroquois left some of their chief men as pledges of sincerity and two young soldiers offered themselves as reciprocal pledges on the part of the french the war was over at last canada had found a moment to take breath for the next struggle the fur trade was restored again with promise of plenty for the beaver profiting by the quarrels of their human foes had of late greatly multiplied it was a change from death to life for canada lived on the beaver and robbed of this her only sustenance had been dying slowly since the strife began yesterday writes father le mercier all was dejection and gloom to-day all is smiles and gaiety on wednesday massacre burning and pillage on thursday gifts and visits as among friends if the iroquois have their hidden designs so too has god on the day of the visitation of the holy virgin the chief aontarazati so regretted by the iroquois was taken prisoner by our indians instructed by our fathers and baptized and on the same day being put to death he ascended to heaven i doubt not 
that he thanked the virgin for his misfortune and the blessing that followed and that he prayed to god for his countrymen the people of montreal made a solemn vow to celebrate publicly the fate of this mother of all blessings whereupon the iroquois come to ask for peace it was on the day of the assumption of this queen of angels and of men that the hurons took at montreal that other famous iroquois chief whose capture caused the mohawks to seek our alliance on the day when the church honors the nativity of the holy virgin the iroquois granted father poncet his life and he rather the holy virgin and the holy angels labored so well in the work of peace that on saint michael's day it was resolved in a council of the elders that the father should be conducted to quebec and a lasting treaty made with the french happy as was this consummation father poncet's path to it had been a thorny one he has left us his own rueful story written in obedience to the command of his superior he and his companion in misery had been hurried through the forests from cap rouge on the st lawrence to the indian towns on the mohawk he tells us how he slept among dank weeds dropping with the cold dew how frightful colics assailed him as he waded waist-deep through a mountain stream how one of his feet was blistered and one of his legs benumbed how an indian snatched away his reliquary and lost the precious contents i had he says a picture of saint ignatius with our lord bearing the cross and another of our lady of pity surrounded by the five wounds of her son they were my joy and my consolation but i hid them in a bush lest the indians should laugh at them he kept however a little image of the crown of thorns in which he found great comfort as well as in communion with his patron saints saint raphael saint martha and saint joseph on one occasion he asked these celestial friends for something to soothe his thirst and for a bowl of broth to revive his strength scarcely had he framed the petition when an indian gave him some wild plums and in the evening as he lay fainting on the ground another brought him the coveted broth weary and forlorn he reached at last the lower mohawk town where after being stripped and with his companion forced to run the gauntlet he was placed on a scaffold of bark surrounded by a crowd of grinning and mocking savages as it began to rain they took him into one of the lodges and amused themselves by making him dance sing and perform various fantastic tricks for their amusement he seems to have done his best to please them but adds the chronicler i will say in passing that as he did not succeed to their liking in these buffooneries singeries they would have put him to death if a young huron prisoner had not offered himself to sing dance and make wry faces in place of the father who had never learned the trade having sufficiently amused themselves 
they left him for a time in peace when an old one-eyed indian approached took his hands examined them selecting the left forefinger and calling a child four or five years old gave him a knife and told him to cut it off which the imp proceeded to do his victim meanwhile singing the vexilla regis after this preliminary they would have burned him like franchetot his unfortunate companion had not a squaw happily adopted him in place as he says of a deceased brother he was installed at once in the lodge of his new relatives where bereft of every rag of christian clothing and attired in leggings moccasins and a greasy shirt the astonished father saw himself transformed into an iroquois but his deliverance was at hand a special agreement providing for it had formed a part of the treaty concluded at quebec and he now learned that he was to be restored to his countrymen after a march of almost intolerable hardship he saw himself once more among christians heaven as he modestly thinks having found him unworthy of martyrdom at last he writes we reached montreal on the twenty first of october the nine weeks of my captivity being accomplished in honour of saint michael and all the holy angels on the sixth of november the iroquois who conducted me made their presence to confirm the peace and thus on a sunday evening eighty and one days after my capture that is to say nine times nine days this great business of the peace was happily concluded the holy angels showing by this number nine which is specially dedicated to them the part they bore in this holy work this incessant supernaturalism is the key to the early history of new france peace was made but would peace endure there was little chance of it and this for several reasons first the native fickleness of the iroquois who astute and politic to a surprising degree were in certain respects like all savages mere grown-up children next their total want of control over their fierce and capricious young warriors any one of whom could break the peace with impunity whenever he saw fit and above all the strong probability that the iroquois had made peace in order under cover of it to butcher or kidnap the unhappy remnant of the hurons who were living under french protection on the island of orleans immediately below quebec i have already told the story of the destruction of this people and of the jesuit missions established among them the conquerors were eager to complete their bloody triumph by seizing upon the refugees of orleans killing the elders and strengthening their own tribes by the adoption of the women children and youths the mohawks and the onondagas were competitors for the prize each coveted the huron colony and each was jealous lest his rival should pounce upon it first 
when the mohawks brought home poncet they covertly gave wampum belts to the huron chiefs and invited them to remove to their villages it was the wolf's invitation to the lamb the hurons aghast with terror went secretly to the jesuits and told them that demons had whispered in their ears an invitation to destruction so helpless were both the hurons and their french supporters that they saw no recourse but dissimulation the hurons promised to go and only sought excuses to gain time the onondagas had a deeper plan their towns were already full of huron captives former converts of the jesuits cherishing their memory and constantly repeating their praises hence their tyrants conceived the idea that by placing at onondaga a colony of frenchmen under the direction of these beloved fathers the hurons of orleans disarmed of suspicion might readily be led to join them other motives as we shall see tended to the same end and the onondaga deputies begged or rather demanded that a colony of frenchmen should be sent among them here was a dilemma was not this like the mohawk invitation to the hurons an invitation to butchery on the other hand to refuse would probably kindle the war afresh the jesuits had long nursed a project bold to temerity their great huron mission was ruined but might not another be built up among the authors of this ruin and the iroquois themselves tamed by the power of the faith be annexed to the kingdoms of heaven and of france thus would peace be restored to canada a barrier of fire opposed to the dutch and english heretics and the power of the jesuits vastly increased yet the time was hardly ripe for such an attempt before thrusting a head into the tiger's jaws it would be well to try the effect of thrusting in a hand they resolved to compromise with the danger and before risking a colony at onondaga to send thither an envoy who could soothe the indians confirm them in pacific designs and pave the way for more decisive steps the choice fell on father simon le moyne the errand was mainly a political one and this sagacious and able priest versed in indian languages and customs was well suited to do it on the second day of the month of july the festival of the visitation of the most holy virgin ever favorable to our enterprises father simon le moyne set out from quebec for the country of the onondaga iroquois in these words does father le mercier chronicle the departure of his brother jesuit scarcely was he gone when a band of mohawks under redoubtable half-breed known as the flemish bastard arrived at quebec and when they heard that the envoy was to go to the onondagas without visiting their tribe they took the imagined slight in high dudgeon displaying such jealousy and ire that a letter was sent after le moyne 
directing him to proceed to the mohawk towns before his return but he was already beyond reach and the angry mohawks were left to digest their wrath at montreal le moyne took a canoe a young frenchman and two or three indians and began the tumultuous journey of the upper st lawrence nature or habit had taught him to love the wilderness life he and his companions had struggled all day against the surges of Lachine, and were bivouacked at evening by the lake of St. Louis when a cloud of mosquitoes fell upon them, followed by a shower of warm rain. The father, stretched under a tree, seems clearly to have enjoyed himself. It is a pleasure, he writes, the sweetest and most innocent imaginable, to have no other shelter than trees planted by nature since the creation of the world sometimes during their journey this primitive tent proved insufficient and they would build a bark hut or find a partial shelter under their inverted canoe now they glided smoothly over the sunny bosom of the calm and smiling river and now strained every nerve to fight their slow way against the rapids, dragging their canoe upward in the shallow water by the shore, as one leads an unwilling horse by the bridle, or shouldering it and bearing it through the forest to the smoother current above. Game abounded, and they saw great herds of elk quietly defiling between the water and the woods, with little need of men, who in that perilous region found employment enough in hunting one another. At the entrance of Lake Ontario they met a party of Iroquois fishermen, who proved friendly and guided them on their way. Ascending the Onondaga, they neared their destination, and now all misgivings as to their reception at the Iroquois capital were dispelled. The inhabitants came to meet them, bringing roasting ears of the young maize, and bread made of its pulp, than which they knew no luxury more exquisite. Their faces beamed welcome. Le Moyne was astonished. I never, he says, saw the like among Indians before. They were flattered by his visit, and for the moment were glad to see him they hoped for great advantages from the residence of frenchmen among them and having the eerie war on their hands they wished for peace with canada one would call me brother writes le moyne another uncle another cousin i never had so many relations he was overjoyed to find that many of the huron converts who had long been captives at onondaga had not forgotten the teachings of their jesuit instructors such influence as they had with their conquerors was sure to be exerted in behalf of the french deputies of the senecas cayugas and oneidas at length arrived and on the tenth of august the criers passed through the town summoning all to hear the words of onontio the naked dignitaries sitting squatting or lying at full length thronged the smoky hall of council the father knelt and prayed in a loud voice 
invoking the aid of heaven cursing the demons who are spirits of discord and calling on the tutelar angels of the country to open the ears of his listeners then he opened a packet of presents and began his speech i was full two hours he says in making it speaking in the tone of a chief and walking to and fro after their fashion like an actor on a theatre not only did he imitate the prolonged accents of the iroquois orators but he adapted and improved their figures of speech and addressed them in turn by their respective tribes bands and families calling their men of note by name as if he had been born among them they were delighted and their ejaculations of approval ho 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 came thick and fast at every pause of his harangue especially were they pleased with the eighth ninth tenth and eleventh presents whereby the reverend speaker gave to the four upper nations of the league four hatchets to strike their new enemies the eries while by another present he metaphorically daubed their faces with the war-paint however it may have suited the character of a christian priest to hound on these savage hordes to a war of extermination which they had themselves provoked it is certain that as a politician le moyne did wisely since in the war with the eries lay the best hope of peace for the french the reply of the indian orator was friendly to overflowing he prayed his french brethren to choose a spot on the lake of onondaga where they might dwell in the country of the iroquois as they dwelt already in their hearts le moyne promised and made two presents to confirm the pledge then his mission fulfilled he set out on his return attended by a troop of indians as he approached the lake his escort showed him a large spring of water possessed as they all told him by a bad spirit le moyne tasted it then boiled a little of it and produced a quantity of excellent salt he had discovered the famous salt springs of onondaga fishing and hunting the party pursued their way till at the noon of the seventh of september le moyne reached montreal when he reached quebec his tidings cheered for a while the anxious hearts of its tenants but an unwonted incident soon told them how hollow was the ground beneath their feet le moyne accompanied by two onondagas and several hurons and algonquins was returning to montreal when he and his companions were set upon by a war party of mohawks the Hurons and Algonquins were killed. One of the Onondagas shared their fate, and the other, with Le Moyne himself, was seized and bound fast. The captive Onondaga, however, was so loud in his threats and denunciations that the Mohawks released both him and the Jesuit. There was a foreshadowing of civil war. Mohawk against Onondaga iroquois against iroquois the quarrel was patched up but fresh provocations were imminent 
the mohawks took no part in the erie war and hence their hands were free to fight the french and the tribes allied with them reckless of their promises they began a series of butcheries fell upon the french at isle Oi, killed a lay brother of the jesuits at sillery and attacked montreal here being roughly handled they came for a time to their senses and offered terms promising to spare the french but declaring that they would still wage war against the hurons and algonquins these were allies whom the french were pledged to protect but so helpless was the colony that the insolent and humiliating proffer was accepted and another peace ensued as hollow as the last the indefatigable le moyne was sent to the mohawk towns to confirm it so far says the chronicle as it is possible to confirm a peace made by infidels backed by heretics the mohawks received him with great rejoicing yet his life was not safe for a moment a warrior feigning madness raved through the town with uplifted hatchet howling for his blood but the saints watched over him and balked the machinations of hell he came off alive and returned to montreal spent with famine and fatigue meanwhile a deputation of eighteen onondaga chiefs arrived at quebec there was a grand council the onondagas demanded a colony of frenchmen to dwell among them lauzon the governor dared neither to consent nor to refuse a middle course was chosen and two jesuits chaumineau and dablon were sent like le moyne partly to gain time partly to reconnoitre and partly to confirm the onondagas in such good intentions as they might entertain Chaumineau was a veteran of the Huron mission who, miraculously as he himself supposed, had acquired a great fluency in the Huron tongue, which is closely allied to that of the Iroquois. Dablon, a newcomer, spoke as yet no Indian. Their voyage up the St. Lawrence was enlivened by an extraordinary bear hunt and by the antics of one of their Indian attendants who having dreamed that he had swallowed a frog roused the whole camp by the gymnastics with which he tried to rid himself of the intruder on approaching onondaga they were met by a chief who sang a song of welcome a part of which he seasoned with touches of humour apostrophizing the fish in the river onondaga naming each sort great or small and calling on them in turn to come into the nets of the frenchmen and sacrifice life cheerfully for their behoof hereupon there was much laughter among the indian auditors an unwonted cleanliness reigned in the town the streets had been cleared of refuse and the arched roofs of the long houses of bark were covered with red-skinned children staring at the entry of the black robes crowds followed behind and all was jubilation the dignitaries of the tribe met them on the way and greeted them with a speech of welcome a feast of bear's meat awaited them but unhappily it was friday and the fathers were forced to abstain 
on monday the fifteenth of november at nine in the morning after having secretly sent to paradise a dying infant by the waters of baptism all the elders and the people having assembled we opened the council by public prayer thus writes father dablon his colleague chaumonot a frenchman bred in italy now rose with a long belt of wampum in his hand and proceeded to make so effective a display of his rhetorical gifts that the indians were lost in admiration and their orators put to the blush by his improvements on their own metaphors if he had spoken all day said the delighted auditors we should not have had enough of it the dutch added others have neither brains nor tongues if they never tell us about paradise and hell on the contrary they lead us into bad ways on the next day the chiefs returned their answer the council opened with a song or chant which was divided into six parts and which according to dablon was exceedingly well sung the burden of the fifth part was as follows farewell war farewell tomahawk we have been fools till now henceforth we will be brothers yes we will be brothers then came four presents the third of which enraptured the fathers it was a belt of seven thousand beads of wampum but this says dablon was as nothing to the words that accompanied it it is the gift of the faith said the orator it is to tell you that we are believers it is to beg you not to tire of instructing us have patience seeing that we are so dull in learning prayer push it into our heads and our hearts then he led chaumonot into the midst of the assembly clasped him in his arms tied the belt about his waist and protested with a suspicious redundancy of words that as he clasped the father so would he clasp the faith what had wrought this sudden change of heart the eagerness of the onondagas that the french should settle among them had no doubt a large share in it for the rest the two jesuits saw abundant signs of the fierce uncertain nature of those with whom they were dealing eerie prisoners were brought in and tortured before their eyes one of them being a young stoic of about ten years who endured his fate without a single outcry huron women and children taken in war and adopted by their captors were killed on the slightest provocation and sometimes from mere caprice for several days the town was in an uproar with the crazy follies of the dream feast and one of the fathers nearly lost his life in this indian bedlam end of chapter four part one